Network News. Where we give you a new perspective. On events happening in our world today. This is GNN. This is God Network News, Episode 6. Welcome, GNN fans, uh, to another episode of uh, exciting news about what God's doing around the world. We're going to start uh, with our correspondents on the field, letting us know what is happening out there amongst the unreached peoples. percent of the population in Kyrgyzstan claimed to be Muslim. With an unstable government and a growing Christian population, tensions between religions are mounting. Bible Mission International's Paul Hagelgans tells us about a village where a church has been planted and is now reaching out into the community. Muslim leaders came to our brothers and tell that they need to leave this city because you are Kyrgyz, accepted Christ, and you're supposed to be all Muslims or you need to leave our village. They then start to take stones and start to make damage. Police quickly got the situation under control, but Muslims remain bitter. Hagelgan says national missionaries remain and have a plan for evangelism. This year they like to bring to 300 villages printed word of God. Pray that God will bless them with literature, finances for gas, for transportation, and with the people who will go to where it's allowed. Meanwhile, business is providing not only the door to a country, but also the financial stability for national ministry. It's the concept behind the Evangelical Free Church of America's Business as Missions program, says EFCA's Kelly Schwedland. There's a lot of the world where you simply can't walk in and say, hey, we're missionaries. Um, they don't allow missionary visas. And so we call those creative access or restrictive access countries. One of the things that we've been working on is actually creating a business platform that is real business that the missionaries can be a part of, but at the same time allow them an opportunity to share what they believe. As new believers are shunned from the community, they can work for the Christian business. Schwedlin says the end goal is more than seeing people come to Christ. That that church is self-sustaining. So that church can then support a pastor who can share the gospel in indigenous peoples, and we can see the gospel spread. Christian business mentors are needed in the field. Okay, very good and exciting news uh, for you here on GNN, right from the field. And uh, we're going to continue uh, along with our series by Fred Markert, and this time he's going to be uh, talking about stories about what God is doing in Bhutan. Yes, the very closed country of Bhutan. You may think it's closed, but guess what? It's open to God. Let me tell you about Bhutan. Remember I said when I was first saved in East Germany in the middle of the night, and I said, God, I want to be a missionary? And I asked the YWAMers which country on earth was the hardest to get into, and they said Bhutan. And I put my heart, I set my heart, I've got to get to Bhutan. And you guys, in 1997, I finally was able to get there for the first time. Here's, here's Bhutan. It is the most restricted access country on earth. The Bhutanese don't let very many people in. 
because they are the last stronghold of Tibetan Buddhism. See, China has taken over Tibet. China invaded Tibet in 1959 and took over Tibet. And so they're destroying Tibetan Buddhism in Tibet. So Bhutan says, we are the last ones. We must preserve it. So they don't want anything to come in and destroy Tibetan Buddhism. So they only let in 3,000 tourists a year. And you have to have like a lottery to get, get in. And then they charge you $300 every day for a visa because they're trying to keep people out. There is no television. They don't have satellite television. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to listen to get radio broadcasts. They're not allowed. They don't want anything impacting Tibetan Buddhism in the country. It's incredibly demonic. So in 1997, uh, I took a pastor and some people in a church from Kansas City uh, it's a church that we're in partnership with. In our ministry in Colorado Springs, we partner directly with churches in a very significant way. And so the past and the church is just as much a part of our YWAM ministry as our YWAMers are. And so we have about this one church, we have about 30 YWAMers either in Colorado Springs or out all around the world from this church, see? So the pastors called me up. They didn't know my heart was in Bhutan. And they said, God is speaking to us in our prayer meetings at the church that we should do something in Bhutan. And I was like, woohoo, this is God. And they said, what should we do? I said, this is what we should do. The leaders from the church and the leaders from our YWAM base together, we should go to Bhutan together on a prayer journey and seek God together with our feet on the soil to see what God wants us to do together there. And so we won the lotteries. <laughs> And we all got tickets, and one of the guys that went was a businessman. He owned like an airplane company that rents out Learjets and stuff, so he was very rich, and he said, let's all go first class. I'll just pay for everyone to go first class, and I'll pay for all the visas. I was like, Jesus, you are so cool. The only problem going first class is you never want to go back to coach <laughs> anymore. And so I've been ruined since 1997, you know. But we got on a plane. We go to Bhutan, you guys. There are so many things that happen. I can only tell you one story, though. We go to Bhutan, and I'm here to... Oh, it was so awesome. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to do is... Uh, I'd done lots of research over the years, and there's a monastery called the Taksong Monastery. It's 10,000 feet up on the side of a mountain here. And you can see, like, uh, this monastery, it, there's a big crevasse into the mountain that you have to go through to get there. In fact, you can't just go from this section to that section. There's a big crevasse. You have to go up the mountain three hours. It takes three hours up and down to get over here. And the reason I wanted to go to this monastery is because this is the roots of Tibetan Buddhism in the country of Bhutan. They believe this guru flew into Bhutan from Tibet on a magic tiger and landed on the mountainside and built this monastery and then from there spread Tibetan Buddhism throughout the whole country. So it's true that this was the first monastery that spread Buddhism. I don't think the part about the magic tiger flying around, I don't think that was true. So it's the very root of demonic influence and we, I wanted to go to the very root of demonic influence and do spiritual warfare and cut off the root in the whole country. So uh, we hiked up there, and it takes you quite a while to hike up, and here's uh, the, the mission pastor of the church, here's the young guy from the church, and it, we, you know, we hiked up, and you guys, you look down at it from, at one point, and then you have to go through, uh, it takes about 45 minutes to walk around this crevasse, 
And at some places, it's a very narrow ledge. You're going like this, and if you fall, it's like 10,000 feet down. And I asked them, how many tourists every year do you lose? They said, oh, about six tourists every year kind of fall off, you know. <laughs> but we were crawling around, and we were praying, and you guys, we got all the way over to the steps, and we had to stop because they only allow Buddhists to enter the monastery. You can't get in if you're not a Buddhist. And so we were stopped right there. In fact, in all the literature, when you get permission to go to Bhutan, they said, do not ask us to go into Taksang. We don't allow anyone in. So we don't want to hear you complaining about how many thousands of dollars you spent to get here and now we won't let you in. You're not going to get in. So they even warn you before you come. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, <laughs> I didn't come all this way to sit on these stairs. This is the root of Tibetan Buddhism. And I prayed, God, you are the God who can open doors that no man can close. God, open the door. And 10 minutes later, I was still sitting on the steps. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, I was still sitting on the steps. And 30 minutes later, still on the steps, no open door. I decided this is going to take some more work. God, I'm going to start to fast. So I started to fast. And I fasted 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes of fasting, God did a big miracle. He really did, yeah. The leader of the monastery, it's, it's called an abbot. The abbot came walking down the stairs to talk to me because he saw me just sitting there, you know. And they speak English. The national language is, is English. It was so weird. I got one of these national uh, clothes the guys wear. It's kind of like a dress, actually. And I remember walking around Timpu, the capital, in this thing, and this Bhutanese guy walks up to me smoking a pipe, and he goes, jolly good chap, you're looking right smart, <laughs> you know, or something. It was, it was this like British accent, and it's just so amazing. So the abbot comes down, and he says, you're, you've been sitting on my steps for over a half hour. I said, yes, I really want to come into Taksan. And he looked at me, and he said, we have never allowed a non-Buddhist into Taksang in all of history in over 1,200 years. He said, but I would like to invite you to be the first non-Buddhist to step foot in Taksang. God is my witness. I had this young kid, the kid I showed you, Rick, he was 20 years old. I said, Rick, come with me. And we grabbed Rick and we walked up the stairs and I, set, I stepped across into Taksang, the first non-Buddhist in history, okay? And I put the camera, I put a camera under my arm like this because we weren't supposed to take pictures. <laughs> and I was snapping pictures as we're walking around. And Rick had, I put a video camera under his arm. And, uh, and, uh, but I don't have the video in the computer. I, should, I really should put it in. But here's a picture. Here was the entrance to the cave where this guru went and would pray and where they spread Buddhism. There was an old monk up there who had come up here to die. And he was just sitting here waiting to die, you know, praying to their gods. And for a half hour, I got my feet, Joshua 1.3, every place on which you set your foot. I, I'm claiming, God, the roots of Tibetan Buddhism in this place, the last stronghold of Buddhism on earth. God, you know, you need to do something. And I was saying, Lord, what is it you want me to pray? What should I pray? Don't ever be in such pride that you think you know what to pray. <laughs> Ask God to give you the prayers to pray when you're in a situation like this. And you know what? I asked God what to pray, and there's only one scripture that came to mind. It's in Hebrews. It says, our God is a consuming fire. I thought, this is weird. 
But every time I asked God what I should pray, God just gave me that scripture, our God's a consuming fire. So I walked around for a half hour saying, our God's a consuming fire, our God's a consuming fire, because that's the only thing God gave me to pray. We left Taksan, you know, uh, had lots of adventures in Bhutan. I may tell you some of them tomorrow. Lots of adventures. In fact, we were able to raise up a team from this church and from our YWAM base, and we have a team in Bhutan now preaching the gospel, you know, as a result of this trip, actually. But three months later, three months later, I'm in Colorado Springs. I get a phone call from the pastor of the church. He said, Fred, have you seen the newspapers today? I said, no, I haven't. And he said, I'm going to fax it over. And he faxed it over. It was this. Buddhist monastery destroyed by fire. The Associated Press, printed in every magazine paper around the world, New Delhi, India, fire has destroyed the 1,200-year-old Taksang Monastery, the most venerated Buddhist monastery in the reclusive Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan. And when you read the story, all the monks got out, no one was hurt. But Taksang burned to the ground and it was made of pure rock. Pure rock. And the article says, how does rock burn? We can't believe the whole thing burned. It was made of rock. They said there was no lightning. There was no like candles knocked over. We don't know how this fire happened. All the monks got out, but it burned to the ground, totally destroyed. Brothers and sisters, that's who our God is. It's Zephaniah 2.11. That's our God. He will destroy the gods of the land. He will destroy the structures of idolatry. And then what does he do? All the nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in his own land. It shook their faith. It shook their faith. They said, if our most holy monastery can burn to the ground, then maybe our gods aren't as strong as we thought they were. And it led to literally the very first Bhutanese people getting saved. And there's now an underground church in Bhutan. There were always Nepalese in Bhutan, who were saved in an underground church, but there were never Bhutanese people saved in a church, and now there are as a result of this. You know, it's so cool. I've got to put the video in the computer so I can show it. When I left Taksang that day, I walked right over to the foundation, and I pulled out a small rock. And I have that rock back home in Colorado Springs. It's the only piece of Taksang Monastery left in the whole world. And it's a trophy of the kingdom of God that our God, he will crush all these ungodly kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. So I've got the only piece of Taksang left. It is so cool. This is the thing, the kind of stuff God wants to do through you guys. Now, this didn't happen to me on my first outreach. This happened after 25 years of faithfulness, faithfulness and obedience to God and prayer and fasting and just doing the next thing he told me to do, see? It comes. You build spiritual authority over time, you guys. You know, and so be faithful. God has adventures. And you know what? These people from this church, they were only on a short-term outreach. And you know what? They are like, wow. Their life is transformed. They're business people. They're pastor. One's a pastor. Some are business people. Some are, one's a construction worker. And I want to guarantee their life is changed forever because they were part of seeing God destroy Tucson. Why do we have bored Christians? You, 99% of you are called to live back home in your own, in your own cities and everything. About 99% of all Christians are called to live back home. 
but you don't have to be bored back there. You can come on short-term outreaches like this and help us storm the gates of hell and see the kingdom of God established. It is so cool. Jesus said it. Jesus said this. Look at what he said. Yeah. Jesus said this. It is. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. We cannot lose, you guys. It is so awesome. It is impossible for us to lose. The church will be built in every place. All the structures of idolatry will be destroyed. The nations on every shore will worship. He will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. The knowledge of the Lord will be as deep as the oceans cover the sea. I could go on and on. All those scriptures and more I'm going to give you. God will build his church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. The only question is, are you working with him to accomplish his purposes? And you can do that whether you're in the middle of Bhutan or whether at a YWAM base or you're back in the middle of London or wherever. Yes, Jillian. I'll tell, well, I want all of you to come. I'm not talking about you. Okay, let me say it this way. 99% of the church can be, go live back there. Let me, I just didn't want to, I'll say this. Okay, you should not go home. Do not go home. <laughs> Come with us and do this kind of stuff, okay? Do not go home. You know why? The majority of the church is not even in the, the majority of the church isn't in this room. Think of this. You are already the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. How do we say? I could say it in many different ways. The majority of the church isn't sitting in a classroom for three months saying, I want to know more about God. You are the ones who said, we're willing to go and know more about God. See, and the most of the church isn't doing that. So, don't go home. <laughs> because if you don't do this, who will do it? Who will do it? Will those other people who aren't even here, who aren't even willing to come here, are, the, are they the ones who are going to do it? No. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear. You've had ears to hear to get this far. Don't go home. Come with us. Okay, yeah, Jillian, you had your hand up still. You don't have to be quiet. You don't have to be quiet. You want to preach? You can preach. You had your hand up, Sean. Some of you may be called to go back home, but please, if we've taught you anything, you need to hear the voice of God. And how many of you have had experiences here you never dreamed you would have before you came? Be honest. How many of you found out the crossroads was totally different than you thought it would be? and that God had many surprises for you that you didn't even dream of. It, it hasn't ended yet. <laughs> there may be more surprises. When I came to DTS, I planned to go right back home. I had no intention of staying in YWAM. I'm serious. Even the day I graduated from DTS, I was like, great, now I'm going back home. The very day. And the leaders of the base came to me and said, you know what, God's been telling us in prayer that we should invite you to stay. And I said, nah, I'm going home. They said, you know, you know, you need to stay. And I said, nah, I'm going home. They said, would you pray? And I said, I'm going home. <laughs> they said, you've got to pray. I said, no, I don't have to pray. I'm going home. <laughs> they said, please pray. I prayed. Here I am, 30 years later. <laughs> See? Wow, very exciting stories once again. Uh, thank you very much, Fred. 
uh, for those uh, wonderful, exciting testimonies of God's faithfulness amongst unreached peoples, in Bhutan especially. And uh, so I hope you like our new format. We've got uh, correspondence straight from the field, as well as stories. And if you like it, please uh, let us know. Uh, send us an email or send us a voicemail, however you want to do it. And we're going to end this episode with another uh, great song called The Answer. Talking to me. 
Is the answer?